Hey guys, this is Chris and Megan from Tap the Craft. I'm excited to tell you about a new company that we've partnered with called Hopcloth. Hopcloth is based in Tampa, Florida, and they produce some of the best craft beer apparel around. They have great designs such as the Drink Beer From Here series, supporting all 50 U.S. states, as well as other great designs to show that craft beer is not alcoholism, it's a hobby. There are tees, tanks, and hoodies from men, women, and your newborn future beer lovers. We personally own a handful of their shirts, and we can attest they're super soft and comfortable. You can find their website at www.hopcloth.com or check out our Facebook page for links. What community sounds like. Stay open. Hello, craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, and I'm coming to you from the Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft and brewery owner in Columbus, Ohio, is John Ream. And John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I've got uh, a few growlers I'm working on right now. We took a bunch of beer over to some folks for tasting and had a couple other growlers in the fridge that I need to empty, you know, because... They're starting to go flat. Oh. Uh, so I've got probably six, maybe seven pints um, in the fridge that need to go tonight. Oh. So we'll you see. Got, you got we'll see. This do. could be a very entertaining show. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got the next one next to me. I've already killed one. Uh, next one's sitting here. And, you know, i, I got to go down for the next one. I'll go down for the next one. Okay. So. so this is all your beer, or is this beer that you've picked up at different breweries? Um some my beer and some that I'll talk about in a minute. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep everyone in surprise or uh, suspense until we get to that moment. But before we get to that moment, let's go ahead and explain to our listeners, anyone new listening, uh, what Tap the Craft is all about. We are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer, and we want to help people along in their craft beer journey. And you are listening to episode 80. We are recording on Sunday, August 13th, 2017. And in this episode, we will discuss a little brewery safety and a story of one brewer's life-changing accident, as well as discuss a few craft beer newsworthy articles uh, that, that's occurred over the last couple of weeks, as well as John and I having our normal great beer conversation. But before we get into all that great content, John... What is in your glass tonight? Uh, tonight I have uh, one of our test batches for my red ale. Hmm. The uh, Trek Brewing Red Ale. Soon it's, to be named. Okay, okay. So, so I was going to ask. You haven't named it yet. This is just the experimental red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I still enjoy. I, I really like this beer. Um, I've been really happy with it. It's... Uh, you know, like I mentioned during the top 10, this is inspired by the Red Trolley. Okay. Um, so uh, I had that beer and I was like, yeah, I need to make this. So I started down the path of creating my own Red Ale that I really enjoyed. Okay. So, well, good. Good, yeah. I I believe I've had your Red Ale before. I believe I have. 
but you know what? My memory, my memory is crap. So unless I have it logged in my untapped, uh, we'll never know. I gotta look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible that you've had it. So, but uh, how about what are you drinking tonight? Well, I received a beer package from uh, someone that uh, works at a, a distributor here in the local area, and uh, I it's. I'm going to tell you what the beer is, but I'm not going to talk about it until later in the show. We'll keep keep everyone in suspense because I, uh, you know, we have some discussion on something about about beer and aging, and I wanted to uh, talk about it at that time. But the beer is from Full Sail Brewing. It's the Slipknot IPA, and uh, it's a it's an IPA. And uh, I first had this beer back in I think February, and I gave it like a you know, a three and a quarter, three and a half, I can't remember exactly, rating. It was just, uh, it was a good IPA, nothing that was uh, over-the-top special. But uh, we will talk about this beer more later in the show. See, see how we're leading, keeping people interested to stay and, and listen? They want to find out more. Yeah, they're just going to get really pissed that we never, you know, deliver on anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So, John, uh, we always like to... Tell our listeners about any fun activities or things that go on while we're between shows. So, did you do anything fun since our last recording? I had a, I had a visitor. Okay. Um, here at uh, the truck ring headquarters, <laughs> and uh, my buddy Wes uh, swung through town um, for a very short short stop. Actually, uh, the night before we were recording this, mm. uh, he stopped in. We shared a lot of brews and um i've got a few uh items in my fridge that uh, i'll be breaking into and probably talking about on a future episode excellent um but uh, that's actually a couple of the growlers are uh, some of wes's homebrew oh that i'll be cracking into okay uh, to finish up things that we started last night and uh didn't get through because we were sampling all kinds of stuff <laughs> so um but yeah, we had, we had a good time. Um, hadn't seen each other in quite a while, so uh, since his wedding, good to, good to catch up and enjoy some beer. So what, was the last time you saw him was during his wedding. That might be. Yeah. Okay. It's been been a long time. He hasn't uh, any travel back west um, yeah. like he had been. So, but uh, yeah, so good to catch up, and um, it's always always nice to share beer with friends. Of course. So. Of course. Well, I'm glad you got to do that. And we have, we'll have we hear more from Wes uh, later in the show, too. Yes. Yeah, so what have you done in the last couple of weeks? Well, nothing too special. I did visit Payette Brewing, and uh, there's a new beer. You know, the, I don't know if anyone knows about this, but there's a, a total eclipse that's going to be happening here uh, next week. And it's just going to, you know, happens to pass through Idaho now, Boise isn't going to get the full 100% eclipse uh, treatment, but there's a lot of areas right around Boise that, that will have it, like Weezer, Idaho, is one of the spots, and also Pocatello, uh, where my daughter's at, is another spot that will get the full total eclipse. But we're going to get like a 93%. I, I think it'll be good enough for me. But what every brewery's doing nowadays is brewing a beer in a, you know celebration of the eclipse. So... On uh, Wednesday, Payette and Mother Earth Brewing, they released their collaboration beer called the Lunar Tick. 
and uh, it's a I, it's a pale L, 4.8% pale L that had Comet, Galaxy, Hops. That's what the primary hops were, and they said they sprinkled in some mosaic lupulin dust. I don't know if that's some magic pixie, pixie dust or whatever to to give you some more flavor, but uh, they released that on Wednesday, so we went to the release party and drank a lot of beers. Um, I think I logged three, but I think I had six pints that night. Uh, yes, the next day was fun. I was a little bit tired going to work the next day, but it was a good night uh, nonetheless. So that was one of my activities that, that I happened to do. But I also had some things that arrived in the mail that I want to talk about that made me really excited. For one, after the last recording of our show, I had ordered a beer glass from Hopcloth that I've been that they announced that they had that I've been that I wanted to get. It's called the Invasion of the Funk, and it's a really cool tulip glass that has this UFO and is shining down a light like it's uh, invading, uh, you know, a bunch of funk, a little little uh, little funk. Uh, what do you call those little? Uh, I don't know. They're not. I want to say parasites. <laughs> They're not parasites. The bugs. <laughs> the bugs that make the beer sour and stuff. What do they call that? Those things are. You're, well, you're, you're the science guy. It's yeast and bacteria, depending on. Okay. I mean, funk would be yeast. It would be Britannomyces. Okay. Yeah, like a funk thing, yeah. but it's kind of kind of cool. And that, that glass arrives. It's a ten ounce uh, tulip glass. I I kind of like the smaller size, but it, it's kind of a pain because I can't fit a whole twelve ounce can or bottle in it. So it's kind of like I get almost all of it in there, and then I have to wait and take some sips before I get the last little bit. But it's a great glass, really good quality. I love the artwork. goes all the way around the glass. Um, I've been taking a lot of pictures with it. So I got that in this week. I really enjoyed that glass. Drank a lot of beer out of it. And I also was welcomed by a pleasant surprise on Friday when I had a box of goodies arrive from Trek Brewing. Yes, I received my ultimate, what, what did you guys call it, the ultimate support? Pack. Ultimate Trek fan. Trek fan pack, along with my tin, si- tin sign of Trek Brewing. Uh, the, the Ultimate pack had, of course, the t-shirt, the glass, the Willie Becker uh, pint glass, and an awesome hat. All the items, fantastic. I love them all. Great quality. I've been drinking my beer out of my Trek glass ever since. Probably already put through at least 10 beers since Friday, if not more. Um, it's a fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you got to make sure that it works and doesn't have leaks. Yes, so yes, you have, yeah. You have to be testing it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the shirt, great quality, feels fantastic. Love the artwork. The hat, man. I Sarah, soon as I put that hat on, Sarah was all over. It says, "Wow, she loved the colors, loved the hat." And I'm excited because I'm going to the Eastern Oregon Beer Festival this coming Saturday. And I'm all, I'm going to take my hat and my shirt, support the brewery in Eastern Oregon, La Grande, Oregon. And I'm hoping that I get a lot of people that ask me about it because they're going to think I'm a brewer with, you know, sporting all this great gear. And I can tell yeah. them about Trek Brewing <laughs> and uh, maybe get some more people to come out there and, and try the beer when the brewery opens. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah take the long pro- pilgrimage from Oregon. Yeah, people will do it. I'm going to do it. I mean, Oregon's right next to Idaho, so if they if I can yeah, do it, they can do you're, it. You're pretty close. I mean, relative <laughs> to Oregon, so I mean, it's really 
it's expected of you. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, John, everyone enjoys hearing about the updates to Trek Brewing. You know, you are, again, people are new to Tap the Craft. John is opening his own commercial brewery in Columbus, Ohio, scheduled to open hopefully right here in a, in a month or two in fall. And, John, what are the updates? You, are you building yet? Are you actually getting construction going? Uh, we got our permits issued. Okay. Um, so those came back uh, ahead of schedule, actually. The county had, had given their like standard time frame, and they uh, cut that in half for us, which was awesome. Nice. Um, so this week uh, we'll have folks in there uh, starting to, to get work done. So uh, really, really excited to to have that that going and uh um excited to actually st- see things start to take shape okay you know, as, as we pull things out it's kind of okay yeah i can kind of start to see how this will come together and i'm i'm beyond ready to see it actually come together yeah so yeah um what, what what's the uh I, I don't mean to interrupt you but i wanted it before you moved on what's the uh priority are they going to start working focused on the brew house area first so you can get some gear in there and start working you know brewing or are they going to kind of focus where, where's the focus going to be early on in, in the construction portion uh focus is going to be mainly in the brewery um but due to like some of the work that needs done um we kind of had to line some things up that need to happen in the like taproom area and the brewery area uh, that deal with the same, you know, subcontractor or okay. that kind of thing. So we can have it all done at once. They can make one trip, which they prefer, Yeah, you know? Um, so things are juggled a little bit. Um, but the focus is trying to get, uh, the, the brewery area ready to at least receive the pilot system so that we can Excellent. you know get our license issued and, and start going. So. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was hoping you were saying. Cause I was, I was hoping you can get that pilot system in there and start brewing in your facility as soon as possible. So that'd be fantastic. Then they can finish all the finish work in the in the tasting room section and the patio and all that after you start brewing. So you get that beer going. Right, right. We need to we need to brew a whole lot because they're gonna be thirsty. <laughs> yeah. So for sure. Um, but yeah, so you mentioned you got your uh, Indiegogo. Uh, perks. Um, I've been working on getting those out. Uh, it's been a little crazy uh, with work and everything. I've had some long, had some long days that uh, cut that a little short. But uh, I'm focused on getting hopefully everything out this week uh, for the rest of the folks. We've had a ton of t-shirts going out, um, and then a lot of what's left is uh, remaining ultimate uh, fan packages. So. Uh, gonna get those out for everybody, um, and yeah, and for that we had to get the glassware, mm-hmm. which uh, was delivered uh, this past week on two full pallets of, of glass that I had to then break down and and take in with a hand truck. I made many trips over two hours um, to get it all inside uh, because we don't have our our big door cut yet um, to <laughs> let me just pull the pallets inside. Um, but uh, all our glassware is looking awesome, um, and we're we're really happy with it. Any, so, any no, I haven't seen any pictures yet. Any photos of the various types of glassware? I, I know that I talked to Kristen on Facebook asking, you know, 
joking around about uh, about having so much glassware because are you planning on breaking so much? But you, she had mentioned that is, or you had mentioned one of the two of you guys have mentioned that the glassware is consistent of of uh, all your glass, your your growlers and your 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 snifters, tulips, whatever glass. So, can you talk about like what kind of glassware you received uh, and and I'm I'm curious to what kind of glasses you you went with. Yeah, so um, we ordered all of our initial glassware all at once, um, just so we could save on shipping charges. Because uh, every time you put in an order, you there's like a base level of shipping that you have to pay, you know, every time. But adding to that order does not cost the same, you know, as mm-hmm. uh, triggering a new order. So we were trying to get everything ordered. So uh, we got our growlers, uh, which is just the standard, you know, 64 ounce uh, amber growler. Um, with artwork our on really it? Backer. Yes, with artwork. Okay. Um, it's it's got uh, similar artwork to the uh, Willie Becker that's that's going out and that everybody could see on the uh, Indiegogo page. <clears throat> but uh, that one's in orange on there. Mm. It looks really cool. Um. And then, so we have the Willie Becker, um, and we had a lot of those boxes because they shipped in boxes. Um, so I was moving a lot of Willie Becker boxes mm. um, that that day. Um, and then um, we are starting with a snifter glass uh, that has the truck brewing on the front and then the hop art. Uh, logo on the back. Oh, nice. Um, so it's on, on either side. And then our taster, our little taster glasses um, are have are the same. They have Trek Brewing on the one side and then the hop on the back. Um, and all are is uh, with the green, um, same green color Okay. Uh, across all that for now. So Excellent. Yeah, and there there are pictures coming. Um, I, I mentioned Wes came in town. Uh, we had other family in town, um, so we um, with with everything. But uh, yeah, there'll be pictures coming out uh, probably before this even airs. Um, so uh, yeah, check those out or or look for them if they don't exist yet. You know, I don't know. I'm not in the future. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the other the other big thing that happened is uh, I am unemployed. I mean, self-employed. Oh. Um, so I, I officially resigned um, from the day job, and I am now starting tomorrow, uh, Monday, August fourteenth, <laughs> full time on uh, on Trek. So I'll be over there making sure everything's happening on schedule, construction wise, and working on cleaning and everything else that needs to happen so we can get open as soon as possible. All right. So, it, it just got real. Very, very <laughs> real. <laughs> well, it's a good thing Kristen has a job to support you. That's right. I need a sugar mama. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome news, John. Thank you for that update. And we are all excited to hear the continued, you know, adventure that you guys are going through so thank you for that for sharing that all right back to the beer uh new new and noteworthy beers we always 
try to you know provide a few beers that we have over the two-week period that we think that our listeners would enjoy trying themselves. So, John, how about some noteworthy beers you want to share with myself and our listeners? Yeah, sorry. I, uh, I was caught filling my glass with the growler and setting it back down. Um, so, I haven't had a ton of new beers over the past couple of weeks, but I did pick up... Uh, a very enjoyable uh, mix pack uh, from Revolution Brewing, and it's their Hero IPA pack, mm-hmm. um, which is centered around their uh, Anti-Hero IPA, which I've mentioned on the show before, mm-hmm. um, that I really enjoyed. Um, it's I maintain has one of the best tap handles because um, it, it just looks like a big Hulk fist. <laughs> um, but uh, this pack they had. Uh, the, that anti-hero IPA and then three other IPAs that focused on either a hop or kind of a styling of hop. Um, so they had a, a crystal hero, an Amarillo hero and a tropic hero. Um, so crystal had crystal hops as a focus, Amarillo, Amarillo hops. And then I wish I had one in front of me, but I've drank them all cause they're all really good. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the exact mix that the Tropic Hero had. Mm. Um, but all of these were fantastic IPAs. Um, the I think the Amarillo Hero was my favorite of the three, like, new ones. Um, Kristen liked the, the Tropic Hero mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, they were all fantastic. Um, and uh, if you can find this pack, I got it. It's just a 12-pack of cans. Um, that I picked up. Uh, it's really good stuff. So I definitely recommend snagging one if, if it's in your area. Okay. Is is Revolution... Where's, where are they out of? Are they out of Michigan or...? I think it's Chicago. Chicago? Okay. Yeah, but I, I could be wrong on that. But Okay, but somewhere in that area. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really good, and... Uh, that that pack went re- really fast <laughs> out of our fridge because it was just we really enjoyed them. So, oh, uh, but that, yeah, that's actually it for me for for this week. So, uh, I'll have some more stuff next next time. I hope so. I promise. I hope so. <laughs> so how about you? You're not going to let the people down, are you? I am. I am. I only had one on my list until just uh, a few, well, just an hour ago or so. Uh, because I've been drinking a lot, I, I've been drinking a lot of beers, and I've had a lot of new beers that I hadn't had before. But the problem is, is none of them really stood out to be like something I really wanted to tell people to go drink. But there's two. I have two beers now that I think that everyone. Sh- well, I'll talk about one that nobody can get now because it's too late. But it is it is a noteworthy beer that I really did enjoy. And the first one is Sierra Nevada. Uh, back to their their beer camp across the world series. And again, I know that not everyone else was able to get that. Chris, Chris still hasn't, you know, never had those beers because that went really quick. And you, well, you got them though, John, right? Nope. Not this year. Oh, you didn't get them either. Oh, so neither you or, no, they went, you they or went Chris. Fast here too. That's right. So neither you nor Chris had tried them, but I thought I was going to miss out also until my wife went and they had a, a, a re delivery at the co-op and she grabbed, a 12 pack for me and I was able to to try it. But the last beer in that whole bo- sample box for me 
was the uh, the collaboration with Avery Brewing, and it's their dry hopped body wine style ale. And this was uh, another fantastic done beer uh, in the style of a barley wine, but nice dry hop flavor up front, very hoppy, very bitter. I'll tell you what, this beer is like what I expect a barley wine to be. I've been very lucky to get some barley wines with a really smooth finish. In fact, John, your you know four or five-year-old barley wine is really smooth because it's been aging for so long. Um, I've had a couple other ones that were similar to that where it had a really nice, smooth finish. It wasn't too harsh. This one definitely can tell the age. It's a young, it's a young beer, so you could tell that it's got a lot of malt in there and a lot of hops and a lot of bitterness. But uh, honestly, it was very, very drinkable and well done in the barley wine style that I really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to highlight that that was another fantastic beer in that in that collection. And I gave it a four. So that's not too bad. So that that was very uh hop forward fresh similar to Bigfoot then? Yes. Which Yeah, but you know what Bigfoot I I think Bigfoot in my opinion is actually better. Um I I like Bigfoot better than this one. This was good, but if I would have put the two against each other, I think I would have gone Bigfoot over over this one. Uh, the, the hops that they chose for the dry hop, I don't know what they were, but they did have a very interesting flavor profile up front. And I, I, I think it, it worked okay. I didn't, it wasn't horrible, but it was just something that, that I, I probably wouldn't want to drink a bunch of these. Uh, but it was still good. You know, it was still good. I, I still enjoyed it, but I think the Bigfoot's better. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a hop forward beer for sure. All right, and the other beer I had is another Sierra Nevada beer. It seems to be Sierra Nevada week for me, and it's their porter. They have a bottle-conditioned porter that I had had before, and I thought I had logged it, so I didn't log it again. I've had it out of the restaurants. I've had it uh, in bottles at at, uh, people's houses and stuff. I never logged it because I thought I'd already logged this beer and untapped. And I uh, I got uh, three of these beers, and I've been drinking them. And I went to check to see, you know, oh, what did I rate this? Because I really like this beer. And I saw that I hadn't even logged it. So I went ahead and logged it today for the first time. And uh, this is a fantastic porter. Really, really well done. Uh, the body is exactly what I expect from a porter, not too light, not too, you know, not too light and thin, not too heavy, just right at the, at the perfect uh, mouthfeel and body. Uh, it has a very nice, uh, mild coffee flavor and cocoa flavor in there with a, with a nice toasty malt character also. Not too extreme to lead into the stouts, not too weak that it feels like you're drinking a brown ale. And just the right amount of body that says, hey, it's not too thin, not too heavy. Well done. I gave it four and a quarter uh, uh, caps on that one. Have you, John, you've had this beer, right? Or you remember if you've had this beer? The Sierra Nevada Porter? Yeah, oh, yeah. The re- yeah, the regular Porter. Okay. Because I can't remember if I saw it, if you logged it or not. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's well done. And then, And again, the reason is, if people are out there looking for a good porter to try to try to get into darker ales, kind of like our buddy 
uh, Brad, who commented in our last show, he said that uh, that he has a hard time getting into to darker ales. Um, this is a great one. Uh, not too, it's not too off-putting in either way. It's not too heavy in the in the malts and the flavor. It's you know, it, it's got a good balance and and it's really well done. So I think this might be one to try, Brad, if you want to try uh, another dark ale. Let us know what you think. Don't doubt I haven't logged that either. So I, yeah, see, I should <laughs> go get some more. But I know I've had that beer. Um, I know, I know, I have but, too. Uh, I have to say. Uh, one of the feature pictures on the top of that page right now looks very nice with a very <laughs> good-looking logo on what appears to be a tin sign. Yes. Uh, and a nice-looking glass, I have to, yeah. to say. Yeah, that it is a first, it's a first <laughs> beer that I've logged since I've had my gear that, wasn't, that, that I hadn't already drank. So I, I took advantage of uh, showcasing my sign and the glass so that everyone can see that, you know, well, wait, I did have, uh, I did, what did I drink the first night when I got it? I drank something that Friday. Actually, you know what? I didn't even log it in on tap because it was a beer I already had. It was a cream ale, my, my Cali Creamin vanilla cream ale. Uh, but I just took a picture and uh, posted to Facebook. That's what it was, just to show off all my gear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. So now let's get into some feedback and we did have some feedback we had some listeners we had a few list couple two listeners that went ahead and uh, actually three listeners that went ahead and and gave us our uh, their top 10 lists of the beers that they really enjoy so john how about we do this how about um i go ahead and start with wes i'll just read off of his list and we can comment uh after uh, we get done with the list on what we think of, of his list. And then you can read the next one, and then I'll continue on. What do you think? Sounds good. Okay. So, John, you know what, John? Why don't you start off? Since Wes is your friend, why don't you start <laughs> off with Wes? Because I, I, I want to make sure that you can get your comments in here as, as you read off the list. Yeah, you know, or we could just sit here and debate over who should read the list for <laughs> half an hour and then call it a show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, all right, so yeah, our, our good buddy Wes uh, emailed us his, his top ten list, um, and uh, at number ten uh, he has Yards uh, Philly Pale Ale, um, which I'm gonna guess you have not had or have not had in any recent time. I haven't had it recently. I may have had it uh, when I was visited Virginia. I have had Yards when I was in Virginia, but I don't know if I've had the uh, the Pale. I can look it up while okay. you read on. Yeah, and then uh, number nine, the uh, Sterling Pig uh, Petra Negra, uh, which is a Swartz beer that I've talked about on the show. Um, Wes took us to Sterling Pig when we were uh, visiting out there, um, and uh, it's a nice spot. They, they do some good stuff. Uh, number eight, another Yards uh, entry, mm-hmm. uh, which is their Love Stout, okay. uh, which I enjoy okay. as well. Uh, it's a, it's a nice beer. I've had that one. You've had that one. Yeah. You figured it out. Yeah. I've had yards. <laughs> I've had a stout I, and I had, I, I need to look up all the ones I've had, but I've had a stout, but not the, uh, pale, not the Philly pale. Okay. Uh, and then one I know you haven't had, uh, is the number seven tired hands, extra vanilla milkshake IPA. Correct. And I have one of these sitting in my fridge right now. Oh, so oh. Uh, I'm going to try that out. Okay, enjoy. So. I've heard good things about that. I've I've commented on people who've 
had that on a tap, and it sounds like something that's tasty. Yeah, yeah. So uh, number six, Avery's Rumpkin. Mm-hmm. I've had that. Uh, which one. I know we've both had. <laughs> um, and I have one of those still uh, sitting downstairs. Um, that should crack into. It's it's that time of year again. So. Yeah. Uh, number five, another tired hands entry, the Technicolor Splendor Double IPA, and I actually have another tired hands that Wes brought me. It's I don't believe it's this one, but I'm blanking on the name right now. Mm. So uh, there we go. There's one that I haven't <laughs> had or won't have access to right now. Uh, number four, uh, Alesmith uh, Speedway Imperial Stout. Yep, had that. Another excellent beer. Yep. Uh, number three, Firestone Walker Velvet Merlin. Yep. Out. Another good one. Yep. Uh, Modern Times, number clocking at number two with their uh, Mega Black House Imperial Stout. Mm. So I'm hoping to try that one day. Come come this Wednesday, no, come this Tuesday, uh, Modern Times will be in the Boise area, and there's a few places that will be having, uh, you know, beer tastings with them, you know, coming in this week. So I'm going to try to visit, I think I'm going to go to Beer 30, uh, it, which is another, you know, uh, beer shop uh, on Tuesday and do that uh, tasting um, event there. So if anyone's listening, wait, you won't hear this because it'll be Thursday before you hear this. So never mind. If we see each other, so, you yeah, know we were there. Me, <laughs> it was great. It was great. <laughs> um, yeah, Wes and I uh, had this beer when we were in San Diego for the national homebrewers conference. And, uh, I believe black house is their, um, their coffee. house coffee, yeah. uh, that they use and they do great coffee beers. So if, if they've got a bunch of coffee stuff, try it all. Cause they, they do really good stuff and they have, um, beers that are done with barrel aged coffee beans. Mm. So, uh, very, very interesting. Very yeah. good. And then, uh, Clocking in at number one, um, which Wes said, I, I know this is a shock <laughs> to everyone who knows me, and he talked about it uh, when he was on the show, yep. is uh, Goose Island Bourbon County Coffee. So I haven't had that one. I haven't had that one yet. Yeah, I haven't had that iteration, um, so we'll have to work on that. Uh, I could, I think I could pretty easily uh, round out Wes's top ten of things I've had, so just, I'm missing two things, two things. Well, th- that's good. That's good. Yeah, I've got I've got a few to get, and uh, but one day maybe I will have all those beers at one time. Okay, the yeah. next the, the next uh, is Aaron uh, at the Arioto. I think I said that Arioto. I think I I remember that. He's he's living in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and he's commented and, and wrote into the show a few times. He gave us his top ten list on Twitter. And uh, let's see uh, if there's anything in common with his list that we can say that he really uh, gravitates towards. So starting at number 10, he uh, he hits it off with a light beer, Widmere Hef. He says this is his go-to lawn mowing brewski. Yeah, I can see that. That's, uh, that's a yeah, good. it's pretty easy. Yeah, easy going. But then he dies in number 9, Bell's Too Hard IPA. Interesting. You know, that's number 1. In the nation, supposedly, uh, this year, but on his list, number nine. So I appreciate him, uh, you know, not just going to the hype and going right to number one with that. Uh, He mentions another beer that uh, our buddy Chris had on his list, if I 
remember correctly, Clown Shoes Space Cake Double IPA. So, yeah, there's yeah. two two people. Have you had that one, John? Mm-mm. No. Okay, but you can get Clown Shoes in Ohio, right? I haven't seen it, um, but I've been researching some more specialty bottle shops that I'm going to try to hit, uh, but i got to go into Columbus to do it. So Okay. Um, All right. We'll see what, what we really have in the area. Okay. So. Well, good. Good. I, I'll be curious to hear you talk about this if you find one because uh, now I want it. Now there's two people that have this on their top ten list. I've got to try it. I've got to have it. All right. Number seven is Firestone Walker's Double Jack Double IPA. Yes, we both had that one before. It's a good beer. Yeah, good beer. Uh, number six, No Lie Jetstar Double IPA. And I don't remember if I've had this beer. I had a lot of no lie. I love no lie brewing. It's a uh, they're out of Spokane, right? Is that is that right, John? I think they're from... yes. Oh, I have had the Jetstar Imperial IPA, um, so it's one I've had. Uh, number five. Now here's one that I have had, and I did enjoy it a lot. In fact, I think I gave this a five cap rating, but I was hesitant to put it on my top ten list just because I've only had it once. I don't know if this is a normal release or just a special release, but it's the Widmere Brothers Nelson Imperial IPA. And it's uh, showcasing the Nelson hops. And I really enjoyed that beer when I had it. Have you had that one, John? Yes. Uh, and I just pulled it up, but I, I didn't rate it. Um, Uh-oh. I just said it tasted great. But that was like five years ago, so maybe yeah. I just wasn't consistent with it. Um, but yeah, then you commented that you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, let's see, when I had it, I, I did give it a five. I remember I gave it a five when I was going through my list. Um, and I had it back in 2012, yeah, March 22nd. And, that must have been when it was released. Yeah, so. yeah, that was when it was released. So this might, I don't know, if as far as I remember, maybe locally they release the beer and they just don't put it out into the mass market and we don't, we don't see it outside of the, of the Portland area. Uh, but as far as I know, it was a one-time release, but it was, it was very good. Uh, and like I said, I gave it a five, five cap rating. Another number four, another beer I've had barley Brown's forklift double IPA. Again, everything that barley Brown's brewing out of, uh, Baker city, Oregon is fantastic. So, uh, I, I can't say anything negative about that. Number three, old. I've, oh. yeah, I, haven't had, I haven't had that one. My barley brown experience is unfortunately very limited. Oh so, man, something I wish I had uh, corrected before I left uh, the Northwest. Yeah. So yeah, they. I, I mean, even visiting the brewery. I you know I I mentioned that I went to the brewery on the way to Portland this last time you know, a m- month or two ago, and we we stopped there. They had. Like 18 beers on tap. I had had previously like three of the beers they had, and the rest I had to try because I I had to try them. They were all you know they're all good, and and they didn't let me down. I think of the 15 I tried, there might have been two that were kind of like you know average beers. The rest were really well done. So Barley Browns is fantastic. If anyone has a chance to stop by Barley Browns as a Driving through Baker City, I recommend doing it. You won't be disappointed. Number three, Old Nation M43 New England IPA. I never even heard of Old Nation. Have you heard of Old Nation Brewing? No. Okay. Well, it must be good because he's number three on his list. 
Uh, number two, Walking Man Homo Erectus Double IPA. Uh, I haven't heard of Walking Man either. Have you heard of Walking Man? Yes. Okay. Are they out uh, of Oregon? I want to say they're out of Washington. Okay. Um, but uh, I could be wrong on that. But I've uh, I've had this beer as well. It's it's nice. Well, just a name. I'd I'd drink it because I've got to go for the name. <laughs> I like unique names. All right, number one. Now this is a sh- surprise, but you know what? It doesn't surprise me too much because all the beers on his list, except for one, were IPAs or uh, double IPAs. His number one beer is Dogfish Head 120 IPA. So uh, yeah, he digs it. I I, I mean it's that's a uh, I don't know. Is it number one on this list because it's 18% or whatever, 15% or whatever it is? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, what I need to do is grab a bottle of this beer and age it for two years and then drink it and see if I like it better aged. What do you think, John? Yeah. You think that's the way to go? Yeah. 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 Maybe. All right. Whatever floats your boat. All right. <laughs> All right, John. We have one more top 10 list. Why don't you go ahead and read this one? Yeah, and this is uh, sent to us by uh, my good friend Rob. Um, he sent this in, and he's uh, gone to all kinds of events with me out in out in Seattle, and and uh, looking forward to, to seeing Rob again soon. But uh, he sent in his ten beers, and he said no particular order. Okay, he was too lazy to order them. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> Uh, but uh, he's got the Fort George uh, three-way IPA with Rubens and, and Great Notion, uh, which would be the the latest the current one uh, yeah. release. Um, Great beer, and I did not get this version. Oh, um, I missed it. And uh, but I I almost had Fort George uh, three-way IPA on my list just because they consistently put out a great you know product with it, and it's always a little different and kind of bringing in the style from other, other breweries. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoy it every year. Um, I'm, I'm going to miss that one out here now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that it's, it's excellent. Um, and then he also has the, from Noda brewing is a hop drop and roll. Hmm. And, uh, it's a brewery out of, uh, Charlotte. Oh, okay. So I don't know anything more than that. About okay. Them. Uh, he also has Black Raven, uh, Old Bird Brain, barley wine. Uh, right? That's their barley wine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an excellent barley wine, mm-hmm. and this also uh, was on. I, I had a list of honorable mentions ready uh, last <laughs> time we did that, and this was on there as well. Um, so uh, then he's got the uh, Rubens Imperial Mole Stout. Mm, that sounds good. Yes. Uh, and then uh, from Fremont Brewing, their Peated Brew 2000. Okay, what is that? Uh, I have not had it. Oh. Um, I assume it's with peat. <laughs> That's what well, I was thinking. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, and then from Duck Rabbit, uh, their Milk Stout. Okay, so, D- Duck Rabbit's um, a Pennsylvania brewery, right? Uh, or is it not? Is that, am I thinking of something different? I, 
I don't think it's Pennsylvania. Okay. It is East Coast, um, but I don't think it's Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and then he put on here uh, the Trek Brewing Coffee Vanilla Stout. And uh, when Kristen <laughs> was putting her list together, I will do this disclaimer. She tried to put my Vanilla Stout on the list, and I told her no. Um, you can't do that. Uh, we're trying to focus on you know stuff that's out there. <laughs> and uh, um, and I told Rob that same thing, and he said it's on my list. I was in your basement for months drinking this, uh, and I I love this beer now. Um, so Rob Rob lived with us for a while, uh, and uh, which was great, and he got to do a lot of uh, for us. Um, but this one was on tap. Yeah. Um, it for for a long time. It is a great beer. Fan, it is a fantastic beer. Um, I would be tempted to put it on my top ten list too, as well as the little sample I had of your bourbon, uh, barrel aged Russian Imperial Stout was fantastic too. So I mean, um, yeah, and that's almost gone now. Yeah, um, I'm like clinging to my last like two <laughs> bottles of that. Uh, um, uh. But I, I do have uh, a keg of barrel-aged porter and another beer that I'm escaping right now. But mm. there's more from the barrel. Okay. So, Excellent. Uh, anyway, getting sidetracked. Uh, the last three. He's got a Yingling Lager mm-hmm. on here. Um, and then the uh, Stone uh, Chocovitsa. Um which is an excellent, excellent beer. Mm-hmm. And they, they do a great barrel-aged version of that, too. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Great Divides Yeti. Mm. Uh, and he, he had said that he kind of was taking our cue of, uh, you know, some um, top-rated beers, but also some things that are very nostalgic. Yeah, you yeah. Know, there's, you know, a story and a reason that th- this is there, so... Um, which I mean, that's kind of what makes it personal for everybody. So exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, Yingling Lager. Obviously, it's uh, must be something that uh, that strikes a chord with them. I, I've only had it a few times when I've been on the East Coast. I will admit that I like Yingling Lager. I think it's actually a pretty good beer. I mean, I know it's ma- kind of mass produced in. But hey, it's still a good lager. It's nothing super special. It just goes down nice and easy, and and is really enjoyable. And it's kind of like how I put the Cali Creamin Vanilla Cream Ale on my top ten list. Is that it's not a beer that is going to wow people out of you know that's the best thing ever. But I'll tell you what, it's a damn good beer that I just really can't stop drinking right now. And so it has to be on my list, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thank you guys all for your top 10 list. We really appreciate you taking the time to create them. I know it can be difficult, but those are some great beers. And I hope that maybe you uh, highlighted some beers that other people out there listening would like to try also. I know I will take this list and try to find some of these beers myself that I haven't had. But we had other comments, too. We had a lot of comments uh, on this show. A lot of people liked the show. Starting off with James Martinez. He commented on Facebook, Hey, great episode. Since I finished listening to the episode, I just want to say thanks for all the toasts. And, yes, James Martinez is the one that uh, that we toasted at the end of the show. And uh, we had a little fun in uh, 
you know, and just toasting him and, and his support of Chris and his drinking. So if, if uh, James was able to come visit Chris more often, he wouldn't have gotten sick with that head cold. He would be able to drink more <laughs> beer. Yeah, and then we, we heard from Jason Young at Jason Young J on Twitter. Uh, he said, how in the world is Mother Earth Brewing Company Cali Cream Ale not considered a world-class cream ale? Hashtag dumbfounded. <laughs> He said, had to stop in Bellingham, Washington from Seattle for a decent selection of Mother Earth brews. Great mention, Denny. Yeah. So, look, I got props. See, uh, yeah. it's not, it's just, I, feel, I feel it's funny because this week I have had uh, a number of people comment that they really enjoy this cream ale. Uh, and I've, I'm excited. I'm excited that people are trying it and they're actually enjoying it because I enjoy it. And I want to make sure that these guys get props because they make some good beer. I think you're going to need to hook me up with some of this. Okay. So. Okay. Hey, I can get a six-pack for six bucks. So maybe I'll just send you a whole six-pack. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We have our buddy David Makazuki uh, at Yojimbo2000 mentioned on Twitter. He's listening to episode 79. He says, great episode. I like lists. Ha, 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 ha. So, David, you are part of the reason that we made the list, is that you said you wanted to hear our own lists. So we made the lists, and uh, that's in tribute to you and the other listeners that were excited to hear about our top ten lists. All right. David also had a question for us, John. Why don't you go ahead and read David's question? Yeah, David asked on Facebook, uh, from what I understand, IPAs were originally brewed for long sea voyages. But from my limited understanding, the rule of thumb is three month and the IPA is garbage. <laughs> so why do today's IPAs have such a huge flavor fall off over IPAs not the same as the IPAs brewed long ago? All right. So, uh, the IPAs back then also had a big fall off. Mm -hmm. Um, and that fall-off was actually the reason the, that IPAs came around, because uh, the standard beer, um, by the time it got there, uh, it was spoiling and had no flavor and everything, because IPAs are a natural preservative mm -hmm. um, and help keep the nasties at bay. Um, so by, you know, hopping these beers a lot, um, they found that it would make it, to India and uh, still have some flavor and not be spoiled. Um, and, oh, by the way, it has more alcohol. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, everybody was a fan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, it's kind of a Cliff Notes version, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a Cliff Notes version. But I think the reason why modern-day IPAs tend to – be frowned upon if they get too old is because a lot of we're doing a lot of different things with IPAs now, right? We're doing the dry hopping. We're putting more flavors. We're using hops that have flavors and aromas in them that uh, to really get the full enjoyment, those are, those need to be enjoyed fresh because like we already mentioned, as time goes on, those aromas and flavors will start to drop out and it just becomes less active in the flavor profile and you, and you're not as enjoyable as if it was fresh. So I, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of why I, I don't, I wouldn't say if it's over three months old, throw it out. It's garbage. I just say that if it's over three months old, be prepared. That it's not going to have the same flavor 
and aroma characteristics as if it were fresh, especially as John mentioned last episode, the New England style IPAs are very much uh, affected by age. They need to be drank as quickly as possible within a month after they get canned or you're going to start to really feel the effect of of those characteristics dropping off. So um, I mentioned early in the show that I want to talk about this Slipknot IPA I'm drinking right now. And why I want to talk about it is because I drank this fresh in uh, February. And I thought it was a decent IPA. I think, like I said, I think I gave it three and a half, three and a quarter stars. Not a bad IPA. Nothing special, though. Now I received a few of these bottles. And as usual, when I see an, an IPA nowadays, I look and find out what the freshness of the beer is before I drink it, just so I have an idea what to expect. And when I looked at the bottle before I cracked it open, I saw the bottle on date was 12 And my expectations of this beer was pretty low when I was pouring it. Now, am I going to drink it? Of course I am. But I wasn't thinking that I was going to get anything decent. But guess what, John? I was pleasantly surprised that this, I think right now that this IPA that I'm drinking is providing me a better flavor than I had originally because I'm actually enjoying these old IPAs and it's uh it still has a big citrus aroma on the nose and a nice citrus flavor in the in the profile now is some of that maltiness coming through a little bit more than it would have fresh I think so I think I am getting a little bit of the age a little bit of the malt coming through but I'm still getting a lot of citrus hop flavor even after being eight, over eight months old, um, I'm st- still enjoying it. What do you think about that, John? Well, that's nice that it uh, <laughs> lasted that long. That yeah. It's still an enjoyable, you know, experience. Yeah. And, you know, there are, there are things that people are working on in terms of hop stability um, and with some of the extracts and other things that uh aren't affected by light mm-hmm. um, and don't break down due to UV rays and things like that. Um, so there might come a day where we don't have to worry about that as much anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm not so, f- Fresh is still probably best. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I'm not going to say that what I experienced with this beer is going to be your normal experience. If an IPA gets old it all depends on the way it was brewed what materials and how it's you know how it's uh built up or uh brewed and 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 uh cooked up so don't you know if you see an old ipa on the shelf before you buy it still leave it on the shelf don't take a chance but if you're getting beer for free or if you find beer that accidentally got left in your beer your beer fridge a little bit longer than you expected don't just throw it away. Give it a shot. If it's not good, you can dump it. But at least give it a shot because you might actually find that that beer was uh, created to withstand a little bit longer length and still be enjoyable. All right. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners for providing not only your comments, your lists, but also your questions. David, thank you very much. And if you would like to be like the following listeners or the previous listeners and contact our show, you can do that. Uh, with your comments or questions through email at taptocraft at gmail.com or on Twitter. Just follow us at taptocraft. And 
feel free to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tap the craft. Leave your comments, questions, articles, whatever you want. Uh, we'll, we'll interact with you on all those mediums. And, of course, we want to thank Open Forum Radio Network because they support our show by providing us the hosting space at openforumradio.com. If you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we know you'll find some other great content from other shows like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please, remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right. Well, now it's time for our Brew Buzz segment, which is uh, the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing all kinds of various related topics. And this week, we're going to get a little serious. And uh, we're going to talk about brewery safety and a very eye-opening recount of a brewery accident. And I think it's important that uh, we all enjoy drinking good craft beer, and we don't necessarily keep in mind that the process of brewing it can actually be a, uh, a dangerous activity. And I think that uh, what we're going to talk about now will kind of highlight the fact that, hey, in all seriousness, brewing is great. Everyone enjoys brewing, home brewing and everything. But when you get to the commercial capacity type brewing, there is a lot of uh, safety that needs to be taken into consideration. And uh, this, uh, you know, this last week, I think it was this last week, uh, the Masters Brewers Association of Americas, uh, they have a podcast, and they release an episode called Breathe, 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 Scream, interviewing Kerry Caldwell, the head brewer formerly of Edge Brewing, who two years ago suffered severe injuries related to an accident in the brew house. She suffered second, third, and fourth degree burns over a third of her body, requiring nearly 60 days in an intensive burn unit in Salt Lake City and nine months of recovery. She retells her story in order to teach others in, uh, so that they can help prevent similar catastrophes from occurring at other breweries. And the episode talks about about her story, and I'll just tell you that it's very moving. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, as she was telling her story, I could feel the uneasiness in her voice about, re, you know, recant, remembering some of the details. In fact, there's details she doesn't remember because, you know, as she's describing it, she's she's not saying the fact that she was kind of in shock. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that happened, she doesn't have a, a, a actual real memory of it. Um, she's kind of just remembering pieces of it and what was told, you know, to her back uh, after the fact. But uh, it's a very, very interesting podcast, uh, very informative. Uh, I learned a lot that I didn't, you know, take into consideration. I recommend everyone go out and listen to it. Um, I will have a link in the show notes, but it's uh, it can be found on iTunes uh, just search for Master Brewers. I think that's all I searched for is Master Brewers, and I was able to pull it up. And uh, it's worth listening to. Now, I don't want to go into you know too much details on that. I want you guys to enjoy it for yourself. But uh, it does bring up that you know there's some serious safety concerns when dealing with uh, kettle 
boil kettle brew overs or boil overs. You know, when the beer, especially when you're adding hops, um, you know, it's boiling liquid. And in the in the case of Carrie's accident, um, what happened is uh, they were making a double IPA, double obligatory IPA, obligatory double IPA, which I've had a number of times. I think, John, I think I gave you a bottle to try at one, at one time. I think I gave uh, Chris McKenzie. I think he might have had a bottle. Um, it's a great uh, double IPA. But because it's a double IPA, uh, it's a beer that has a lot of malt in it and a lot of sugars and it's really syrupy. And she was uh, adding in, the, the I think, the first hop addition to the kettle and uh, when all of a sudden the hop, the, the boil started getting a little bit aggressive and it started coming out of the, the top of the, the hatch on the top. And sh- she did make some mistakes. In hindsight, she realizes that, you know, she, sh- she shouldn't have done a couple things that were done. There was also some things that were going on in the brew house at the same time that prevented the normal operation to, to occur where you have a, a boil over and you, you uh, go ahead and spray down that foam to kind of calm things down with some water. And they weren't able to do that, uh, which led to, to her accident. But one of the other things they mentioned in this podcast is that there is uh, some safety devices that can be installed in your brew system to help reduce the risk of this type of serious injury from occurring. And uh, this uh, safety device, it's uh, it's a little bit expensive, especially for a startup brewery. I think they mentioned it was $4,000, and it's a capacitive sensor that's uh, installed at the top of the uh, of the, the brew kettle that senses when foam uh, is touching it and can then directly shut off the heat source to the, you know, to that kettle and reduce the, you know, the effect of that boil over. Now, uh, John, I know that you've listened to this podcast. We both have listened to it. I got a couple questions I want to talk about. Uh, but before that, do you have any comments that you want to talk about about what you heard about the podcast and and Carrie's story? Or is there anything that that concerns you or you want to highlight? Not really past what you covered. I mean, we mentioned this when it happened uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I I, I mentioned but- it. Yeah, but at the time, I don't think we had all the details of no. exactly what happened. Um, and, you know, in today's news cycles, the way things go, uh, it kind of fell off the map mm-hmm. um, after the initial, you know, uh, article about the yeah. accident that it had. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it just, you know, it's there's a lot of danger in a brew house. Um, and you know, we've talked about deaths that have occurred due to, you know, exploding kegs or Mm -hmm. tanks or Mm -hmm. other, you know, uh, there, there is danger involved and you, you do need to be safety conscious and aware of what you're doing at all times. Um, because you're frequently working with, you know, harsh chemicals and, you know, very, very hot liquid, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, pressurized tanks and all yeah, these things and, yeah. and steam it, it doesn't take much for for things to go wrong yeah exactly um so you know it it does highlight that uh you know we we like to enjoy the beer and just think about uh yeah they just throw it together and here it is but yeah. um that's not not exactly the case yeah so yeah so uh yeah i, I guess i i forgot that uh, i did mention when this first occurred um 
I did mention that, I, you know, I, I visit Edge Brewing. It's in Edge Brewing is in Boise, and I visit it quite often. I like their beer. I liked uh, the environment there. Um, I've seen Carrie brew before the accident. I've seen her in there working. She always had a smile on her face, always doing, you know, she, she was doing what she loves. And when I first, you know, heard about the story, I was just like, I was, I was, you know, hoping that she'd be okay. And then I, and being local, I was able to keep up with how her progress was. I read a couple articles that were written over the last two years and, and kept up with it. Um, she now currently works at Mother Earth Brewing in Napa, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, I've been mentioning them a lot lately. Um, but she's no longer doing um, head brewing. Uh, she's doing lab uh, work. And I don't know if, I, I think it, you know, she mentions that the hardest thing for her is the post-traumatic stress that she's, you know, that she suffered from after the fact that, you know, that, that, you know, you know, being in the, you know, at, at edge, she had to leave because every time she was there, it brought back memories and, and emotions and stuff. And those emotions were what, you know, really uh, are affecting her. She, she made a comment that she really wasn't too emotional or affected, you know, by that, by that kind of stuff before the accident. But now her, you know, her whole life has been turned upside down and now she's got, you know, this post-traumatic stress that she, you know, of emotional stuff that she never imagined her having before, but she still is in the brewing process in the lab and, uh, you know, making, you know, helping to make great beer for mother earth in Napa, which is uh, just, uh, uh, west of Boise. But, um, moving on, I mentioned that there is a device that, is uh, that can be installed that can help control these boilovers and shut down the boil system if it's getting out of hand and help protect the people. Now, yeah, it might affect the beer a little bit, but you know, hey, it's better to waste a batch of beer than to to cause some injury uh, that that can be a lifelong uh, tragedy. So, John, um, for one thing, before listening to this podcast, have you heard of such a device? that can help control your brew kettle to during boilovers. And if you have, is it something that you've considered installing on your brew system or is it already installed? So I had not heard of these before this podcast. Um, and I've, I've been subscribed to this Master Brewers podcast for a while now. They cover a wide range of topics. Um, most probably not interesting to you know, our listeners, mm-hmm. because they, they dive into a lot of nitty gritty. And there are things that I, uh, like I, I am out of my depth right now. <laughs> and they're talking about things that, you know, as a, a small brewery and tap room, you know, I'm never, never going to have to worry about un- unless we, you know, suddenly become the next national brewery. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they, they, covered some just great topics, but, uh, yeah, I I had not heard of these and I, um, I was looking over everything for our brew house. Um, cause we, we will have steam, uh, to heat the kettle. Um, but, uh, ours is all manual. Um, Mm. we don't have the valves, uh, in place that are required for, you know, the sensor to be able to turn it off. Okay. And our, uh, control panel is not, uh, set up, to have that control at this time. Okay. Um, so I've actually started doing a little bit of research into what it would take, um, to, to make that happen. Um, 
we do have room in our control panel for a little bit of expansion of capability. Um, there are some some empty slots that we can we can use, um, but I, I'm not entirely sure of uh, the logistics of that. Okay. Quite yet. Okay. So. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I didn't realize. I mean, I guess I kind of you 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 hinted at last episode that uh, in the standard operating procedures that you receive from. Uh, the the uh, brewery that you're getting your system from, they uh, said that you know open these valves in, in a certain order. I, I guess I should have assumed those were manual valves. Um, maybe in, potentially there'll be some automatic valves you can install later that could help with some of the questions I have later on. But that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, Carrie, I also you know I, I kind of mentioned there were some things uh, that were done wrong. Uh, or things that were out of uh, place uh, that, that that didn't that helped le- lead to the accident occurring. One of the things is she mentioned that there was only one hose in the brewery uh, that can be used for spraying down the foam. It's also the same hose was being used at that time to wash out their mash tun, and so she didn't have access to that hose up there during this boil uh, session, which, in hindsight is a, a definite uh, misstep, right? If you know you're going to have a potential of boilover, you should have some means of controlling it in case it, it happens. Um, also, she said that uh, that the platform that that was that you stand on, you climb up to, and I've seen the, the brewery. In fact, I have a picture um, that I might be able to post on our Facebook page that shows the brewery. Um, the platform only had one way of getting up there, and with this hatch um, boiling over with foam and, and hot wort, uh, it was inaccessible to get up there and do anything once it started, you know, really coming across. So my question, John, is now that you know that these were concerns that led to her accident, um, and, and again, I know you have a different system, but you have a, a mash tun and kettle in one, and you have another, I, I can't remember, I know you have a two two. Uh, component system, but has it has it kind of led to you to believe that you need to have uh, hoses, more than one hose to uh, to to service your equipment in case something like this happens, and possibly is there is there a way for you to have more than one access to your platform to your deck that is over the brew systems that that in case you do need to get over to the other side to spray something down, you'll have another way of doing it without uh, causing any any issues? So we have two hoses uh, available in our brew plans anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our system is different. Um, part of the reason that they had this issue is that to clean their mash tun, they had to have somebody inside the mash tun yeah. out. Um, and that's not the case for for our system. Okay. Um, uh, so, you know, you won't have it completely inaccessible. It's completely doable by a single operator. So as a brewery, you would have access to that hose okay. um, as you're, as you're going. Um, but we have a separate hose um, that is down, uh, comes from the other end of the, of the brewery, you know, through like the fermentation tanks and everything. Uh, so <clears throat> that can be used for, for tanks and everything and not 
take it away from the brew house as we're as we're uh working okay um but but uh, a way to access our platform from a different direction um but our uh controls are not at the back of the platform okay um our controls are actually um on the front of the uh brew house um that are at eye level from the floor mm-hmm. um but reachable from the top of the platform okay um and it's all just a touch screen so you just kind of reach over and you know tap the the area that you need to tap to start the pump or start the rakes or whatever if you're on top of the platform but you have access to that stuff um from the floor okay so but as i mentioned that does not include stopping the heat yeah um controlled by that control panel it's manual turning of the valve so um that's one thing i've been looking into of you know can we move that valve so it's you know not only accessible from the top of the platform mm-hmm. um or something like that uh but we'll look at that when we're actually installing the steam piping so okay. yeah that that was uh that seemed to be my one of the things that just shocked me was the fact that she i mean that, that there was no controls near her and so my first thought process is you know there needs to be a kill switch or you know something to stop the the heat flow to the kettle if you need to if like an emergency you know in 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 industry uh in other industries where i work um they call emergency machine off button emo buttons where you can just kill that button and it kills the machine and i'm all i can think of is man john or any brewer needs to have an emo button to kill the heat source if things get out of hand so they can just you know, kill it. So I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not familiar with steam, uh, you know, systems for heating your, your boilers, but it would seem like that maybe there'd be some way of, uh, of designing a bypass or if there's not already a bypass, but a bypass for the steam that if something happens, you could just, uh, whether it's a mechanical, uh, thing lever that you just hit real quick that shuts off, you know, bypasses the, the steam away from the kettle out to the bypass line or whatever. I mean, it seems like there should be some kind of safety feature that can, you can easily kill heat to your, your kettle. Do you know if there's anything like that, that, that can do that? Or is it just purely just me- mechanical turning of a valve? Uh, they have, <laughs> uh, you know, valves that are, you know, actuated you know from a signal mm-hmm. and that's what you need for like the the sensor to be able to control it yeah. and turn it off um and so i mean that kind of stuff can be put in place and if you had a kill switch that kill switch could also you know activate that valve to close it um but you know you have to have your system set up in a way that you have I'm those sure. valves in place okay um so you have to have at least some some semi automation for your for your heat yeah. So. Okay. But I mean, I would think you could even, if you had to, you could put the valve upstream, you know, if you needed to, and you know, it's just always open unless you know this thing goes off and I mean, it, uh, cuts it. Yeah. But if you didn't, if you couldn't have it, you know, incorporated 
like panel and everything, but you could have a kill switch of some kind down mm-hmm. on the floor. Yeah. Um, upstream of the manual valve um, that could stop the heat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. That, just things I think of when, you know, when I think about safety. Uh, I, I, the last thing I want is for something, some weird, bizarre thing to, to happen where you get injured or anyone gets injured. You know, I don't want, what happened to carry to happen to anyone else if we could if we could help it and i know that a lot of these systems these brew systems you know they're they may not be designed in the in the most uh you know safety oriented I, I mean they're they're not i mean they, they can be dangerous anytime you're working with a a steam uh, generator you're going to be you know you're producing a lot of high pressure hot gas too that's obviously a, a problem and then now you're putting that hot gas to hot liquid and there's a lot of things that can go wrong there with with boilers and steam and hot liquid. So anything that could that could help uh you know prevent injuries would be great. But all right, let's move on to other type of protections. Now we're we're focusing on kind of just talking about what the accident uh, occurred with boilovers, but even with working around hot liquid and hot pipes and and, and industrial area there's other safety precautions that should be taken and one thing is is like uh um like protective clothing it what do you have plans in uh you know what type of protective clothing are you planning on on utilizing i'm assuming that that you're going to have available to you an apron at the very least you're going to have some boots you know most brewers wear rubber boots some kind of protective boots to protect you from the the liquid and the water um Maybe some protective sleeves. Now that we know that this, you know, hot wart can jump out of that, uh, out of that uh, opening. Uh, now you need, you know, your arms and hands need to be protected as well as maybe a face shield or safety glasses. So, have you thought about incorporating these type of protective equipment in your normal brewing uh, operations? In this certain aspects, yes. Um, like face shields are. Uh you know, highly recommended if not required when you're dealing with some of the uh, cleaners and chemicals that mm-hmm. you that brewers use. Um, mostly when you are dealing with them in bulk, uh, like bulk containers, and you're having to measure out, you know, what you need, um, that kind of thing. But uh, you know, I currently use um, gloves that go up uh, past my elbow mm-hmm. um, in cleaning. Uh, my kettles and everything right now. And I plan to continue that. Uh, I, I have budget set aside to purchase all this. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not, not stuff that you would necessarily use, um, at all times in the brew house, Mm -hmm. but anytime that certain activities are being done, it would trigger, okay, you need to be, uh, wearing goggles for this or mm-hmm. face shield for this. You have to have, you know, uh, full length gloves or right now you just need gloves for your hands. Um, you know, depending on what you're working with. Um, uh, and with boots, it's not, not just rubber boots, uh, that you need to be worried about. Um, but also something that can protect your toes because you're, you know, dealing with very heavy kegs and metal yeah. equipment and everything yeah. that if dropped, you know, you're going to be in a world of pain. Yeah. Um, so 
there, yeah, there, there's a whole lot, uh, and, um, I'm striving to make myself as safe as possible in the brew house. <laughs> well, so. good, good. All right. So changing things up a little bit, um, in the podcast, uh, they mentioned that OSHA, Occupational Health and Safety Administration, they came in to investigate the accident and found that that it was just that, an accident. There was no equipment issues. But while they were there, of course, once you bring OSHA into a facility, they're going to not only check what the uh, conditions of the accident uh, were, but they're also going to check everything else. Sure enough, they found another uh, a number of other discrepancies in the facility that added up to $5,000 in fines. Now, in Ohio, will you have to pass any kind of OSHA inspection before starting up? And uh, is, are there scheduled inspections you have to, you'll meet every so often, or are there just random audits that occur? What, what do you know about what's required as far as OSHA requirements? Uh, as far as I know, we will not have any kind of inspection or uh, you know, regular inspections, uh, from, uh, OSHA. And it's, uh, you know, I, as far as I can tell from, you know, listening to other folks and reading from other folks is that it's more, uh, if you're reported, mm -hmm. then you start to have to deal with it. Okay. Um, but for a brewery, they're not automatically, you know, coming in, and, and dealing with it. We will have, uh, inspections every six months, um, from the Ohio, you know, department of liquor control and everything. And I don't know how deep they're going to go, uh, in that, or, uh, you know, if it's just, okay, you're not, you know, producing alcohol that you're not reporting to us mm -hmm. and we're happy with that. Yeah. Or if it's, you know, we don't like the way you're doing this. Um, you know, it, it may depend on who they send out to you that day and their mood and, you know, all that. But, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, I I take this stuff pretty seriously. So, um, you know, I'm if, if there's something I, I want to know about it so that I can take That's care a, of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and whether I'm able to do that immediately is, you know, one thing because, you know, this stuff costs money. I and mean, yeah. <laughs> we mentioned that the the fix for this is four grand. Well, yeah. that that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, if I may not be able to do, you know, something quite like that, that's automatic and, you know, takes care of it, but maybe I can get something a little cheaper that, you know, I have to hit a switch to kill it, but, you know, it, it'll serve the same purpose mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, we can, we can end up being in, still in a safe environment. So. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. All right. Well, that pretty much covers what I want to talk about this subject. There is a great resource at the Master Brewers site at uh, www.mbaa.com. Uh, forward slash brewers resources forward slash brew safety uh, a great website that has a lot of topics that i think if john i, I know you've already subscribed to their podcast uh, i'm sure you've already been to their website uh, you should definitely check it out they have a, i went through and was amazed at how much resources they have talking about all kinds of things related to uh, brewery safety 
that I didn't even think about. So that, that's a great resource. Um, now, one thing that, that I kind of, uh, you know, one thing that kind of came to me as I was listening to this podcast is, is another safety concern. And it's one that, uh, that in homebrewing, we maybe take for granted that we don't really follow it very, very well. But one thing that people do when they homebrew, one of the, the perks is as you're homebrewing, you're drinking craft beer. Or you're drinking your previous homebrew while you're brewing. But now, John, that you are going to be operating a commercial-level business brewery, how are you going to uh, – what, what's your plan on uh, drinking in the uh, work environment? Um, have you thought about that uh, That you're only going to be drinking at certain – Elevate, you know, certain times of the the process. You know, when when and and of course, I'm sure you're not going to be, you know, guzzling like a bunch of your your brew. But I mean, one of the nice things about owning a brewery is that yeah, you're able to drink your own beer as you're working. But now that we know that that some of this, you know, stuff is very dangerous, uh, has have you thought about drinking and working? <laughs> uh, yeah, not doing it. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, good. I. I- I actually don't drink while I homebrew um, when I'm brewing by myself. Okay. Um, I I will share beers with folks when they're coming over and kind of experiencing what what we're doing. But um, I save that beer for for the end of the day mm-hmm. um, after after brewing. Um, and you know, you can't really run a brewery without having some drinking because you. You'll need to do evaluate things are progressing. Mm-hmm. You'll be tasting off of tanks, you know. Yeah. You know, did something happen? Is there a way to fix it? Do we need to dump it? Um, that kind of thing. But really, those are very small, you know, samples, uh, an ounce, two ounces, something like that. And, you know, you need to be aware if you're suddenly, you know, needing to do a whole lot of that in a day that you can't then do anything that requires, you know, uh, your utmost attention Yeah. in terms of, of safety, you need to kind of dedicate, all right, well this day I'm going to verify, you know, all this stuff or I'm going to, you know, this is the day for evaluation and that's it. Yeah. We're not doing anything else. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it won't be a change for me because like, like I said, I, I don't actually, uh, drink while I brew. No, no, no. So. Yeah, that's good. I, I was assuming that there'll be things put in place that once the brew day is over and you're just doing cleanup, you know, you're, you're mopping the floors, you're, you're, you know, organizing things, you know, that maybe you can sip on a beer as you're doing stuff that's not, you know, too critical. But hey, I'm all for you not drinking at all until you're done for the day. But we all know that a brewer, especially a be- beginning uh, business brewer, you work all the time. So you're never going to be able to drink because you're always going to be at work. Yeah. I'm ne- <laughs> never done for the day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well that, that ends our brew buzz segment. All right. Now we have a couple, we have three news articles we want to talk about just uh, in brief. And the first article comes from craftbeer.com, uh, written by Jess Baker and it is funky Buddha brewery acquired by Constellation Brands. And we don't have a lot of information on this, but basically Constellation Brands announced Thursday 
that it has acquired Florida's Funky Buddha Brewery. And, of course, Funky Buddha is uh, in Oak Park, Florida. It opened in 2010. It's known for its approachable beers, including the Floridian Hefeweizen, the Hopgun IPA, as well as distinctly wild offerings like its sweet potato casserole strong ale and the maple bacon coffee porter, which, by the way, that last beer is fantastic. I have had that one. Um, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I know this announcement hits close to our buddy Chris McKenzie because he visits Angry Chair uh, in in Florida, and he really enjoys it. I liked everything that I'd had from them that he brought to me when we were in Vegas. Um, but it kind of excites me because now uh, it's might have an opportunity to get these beers in other parts of the of the country, and I'd love for Angry you know, for Funky Buddha to come to Boise because I would love their beers to try their beers here. Now, is that going to happen right away? Probably not. I'm assuming that that this investment or this purchase is uh, going to take some time to get their their uh, uh, or their whatever their uh, capacity up to a amount that they can actually support more than just the areas they are right now. But but it's pretty exciting now. Just in case you don't know, that this uh, Constellation Brands, they uh, are the ones that uh, recently purchased Ballast Point. Last year, I think they purchased Ballast Point for $1 billion, which we all thought was way too overpriced for that. But, hey, um, those guys made a lot of money. They also have Corona Modelo, um, as well as some wine and spirits. Now, this Funky Buddha is uh, the second brewery this last week to announce that uh, it will no longer be independently owned. And we first found out that San Francisco's Anchor Brewing, which is a pioneering American craft brewery, been around for quite a while, uh, was purchased by the Japanese beverage company Sapporo, which was uh, very interesting. Let's just see. The San Francisco Brewery has a long history. Founded in 1896, the brewery became known for its Anchor Steam Beer. And in 1965, Fritch Maytag purchased the struggling brewery and breathed new life into it. Maytag is considered the forefather of independent brewing in America. Now, after 45 years, Maytag has sold to uh, Keith Greger and Tony uh, Fogilo. Fogilo? Well, that that happened like... Uh, yeah, a few years, a few ago, years ago, it was sold to those two, and they—they're the they, ones that just yeah. figured the sale to Sapporo. Yeah. So interesting, John. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, what well, actually? What are your thoughts on both? What do you think about Funky Buddha selling to Constellation, uh, and then what do you think of Anchor selling to Sapporo? I'm actually more saddened by Anchor mm-hmm. um, than Funky Buddha. Uh, I honestly haven't had anything from Funky Buddha. The only thing that I've had that they've had a hand in was um, one of the beer camp beers that was a collaboration between you know Sierra Nevada and like five other breweries. <laughs> uh, curiously enough, the one that they were involved with, uh, Wicked Weed, was also involved with. Yeah. Um, so uh, look out, Austin Beer Works, Bayou Tech Brewing, and Creature Comforts, because uh, those are all going to be next, I guess. This. <laughs> This beer is like a uh, mark for buyout. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like a broken record with a lot of this stuff. Uh, 
you know, if if they stay true to themselves, the the beer and keep quality, fine. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I'm here for quality beer. I'm not as focused on, you know, the local um, aspect of it. I, you know, if I can get a local, I'll do it, but you know, it has to be good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it just because. So, um, but, uh, I don't know. An- Anchor was, uh, was more surprising to me. Um, I don't know. It just seemed, uh, more established maybe and that they wouldn't, you know, be put in a position like this. And mm-hmm. and I knew that they had sold recently. So, uh, it, I thought maybe that, that would kind of be it mm-hmm. for, for a while. Okay. So, yeah, I, I was also surprised by the anchor, the anchor brewing definitely surprised me. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that they were, you know, looking for someone to, to buy them out. Uh, the funky Buddha, um, that was also a surprise. I, I mean, they're, a, I mean, I didn't realize they were around since for seven years already. That surprised me when I learned that. But hey, you know what? It's no, it didn't surprise me any more than Wicked Weed. You know, when if they need, you know, money, they need money. They they want to make their, uh, uh, you know, make their employees, uh, you know, able to support themselves better. That that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. All right. Well, enough of that one. Let's move on yeah, to the next one. I think they were already over capacity, Funky Buddha. Yeah. I think they were had already entered into contracting arrangements with some other folks. Okay. So, okay. Um, the writing was probably on the wall for that one. Yeah. 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 All right, John. Why don't you take our next uh, news article here, This was, which is interesting because this is kind of – I mean, you're familiar with the, the people involved with this one, I think. Yeah, and uh, this one is uh, that New Belgium, uh, Dick Cantwell, and Oud Biersel, uh partner to buy Magnolia Brewing. Uh, and they have big plans for the headline. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, New Belgium uh, Brewing, uh, Dick Cantwell uh, of Elysian, um, who left Elysian after they sold Tavian Bev, mm-hmm. and uh, Oud Biersel uh, have announced partnership to purchase the assets of San Francisco's iconic Magnolia Brewing um, as part of a bankruptcy proceeding. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this this partnership uh, will operate both of Magnolia's locations. They have one on uh, Height Street and one in Dogpatch in San Francisco. And uh, the group stresses it's approaching the sale as brewing with friends, and their intention is not to turn... Uh, Magnolia's Height Street and uh, Dog Patch locations into New Belgium brew pubs, uh, so they want to maintain uh, the Magnolia brands. I yeah, I guess. Um, but uh, Oud Biersel, who produces Belgian lambic beers, um, they're being described as a contributing experimenter um, in the new venture. Uh, and with the idea that they'll eventually ship their lambics to be blended uh, with magnolia beers, um, and I mean that the the reason that people really care about this is that uh, in order to become or to be called a lambic, the beer must be produced in Belgium, uh, 
amongst other requirements. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like champagne versus sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that are made here in a Lambic style can't be purely called Lambic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so by shipping the Lambic to San Francisco, uh, the partnership says that they're establishing the world's first dedicated Lambic blendery outside of Belgium. Yeah. So, so this story has a lot of things going on for one. It is showing that a, another independently craft brewery is recognizing that another brewery is going out of business or filing bankruptcy instead of letting that brewery fade away long history of of brewing in san francisco to disappear they decided to go ahead and take control by the brewery now put in some people to seriously make this a new adventure of proportionate amounts of of interesting stuff going on they've got dick cantwell who after left elysian needs to find a home well guess what he's going to be brewing again in at magnolia to try to try and you know breathe some new life into this brewery and we've got old bursell or bursell he's going to be doing something new with you know blending uh belgian lambics in the area i mean wow this is a huge story and it really kind of is exciting in a way that that new belgium is not letting this brewery die they went ahead and invested into it to make something new and and exciting what do you think about that yeah i mean i think i mean there's been some of these type of acquisitions before um but you know in terms of craft breweries buying craft breweries uh but nothing you know quite to this level of partnership and at least uh, announced vision. Yeah. It's more just been, we're taking over the brand. Yeah. Um, we'll continue to make these beers in this brand until, you know, we decide it's not worth our hassle anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I think, I think this is really cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see moving forward how these things really shake out, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm excited. My whole thing on what I want to see happen in the craft beer world is I want to see more of stuff like this. I want to see New Belgium. I want to see Sam Adams. I want to see uh, Stone. I want to see these different bigger breweries in the craft independent brewery seg- sector reach out and take some of these struggling breweries or breweries that want to go to the next level and help them succeed instead of having them maybe turn to big beer and losing them out of that whole niche. So um, that, that kind of excites me. This is like the, you know, one of the first steps, you know, that, that this is going to happen. I'm, I'm glad I want to see the option for uh, breweries not to fail. Um, And that's a good segue into our next article, which is uh, doesn't hit me hard at all. But it may hit people in the Cincinnati, Ohio area and Ohio uh, craft brewery industry in itself a little bit hard is when a brewery fails. And uh, this next article, the last article we have, it's a statement from Blank Slate Scott La- Lafayette or La Follette. La Follette? <laughs> I'm not very good at these French names. Um, on the closing of his brewery. And 
I first saw this article off Twitter, um, and it came from BrewMinds.com, and it was written by Tom Aguero. And basically, Cincinnati Brewery, Blank Slate, closes down. And the guys over at BrewMind.com, they break down the statement released by the owner, Scott LaFollette, LaFollette, and uncover some very interesting facts that led to their demise, to their end. So what I want to do is I just want to kind of highlight some of the same excerpts that uh, that this uh, Brew Minds did and talk about what led to their failure and uh, what this means because it's it's kind of important for people to see that uh, you know that hey you have a major impact on whether breweries succeed or fail and if you don't go out there and support them guess what they're not going to be around as long as you want and and once they're gone they're gone it's too late to go back and try to save them um so again blank slate small brewery in cincinnati do you have anything to say on blank slate have you had their beer before john uh i have not um and like i've mentioned a few times like cincinnati exploded Mm -hmm. in craft beer right after i left um so a lot of these places that have opened and, you know, Blank Slate is actually one of the earlier craft breweries in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't, wasn't there to experience it. Okay. Um, but I will, I will say, you know, this, this closure and, and part of the reason that this was uh, kind of hit news the way it did is that uh, it was their open over the weekend and on Monday, Monday their they... website just said, thanks, we're closed. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the memories. And that was it. And, um, they and, were just suddenly closed. Yeah. And he deleted all their social media stuff. It's like they never existed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it there, there was no, you know, hey, guys, you know, we're having troubles. This is hurrah. Come in and get it while you can. We're, we're done. Um, it was just, nope, we're, we're closed and that, that's it. Mm -hmm. So, um, it it took a lot of people by surprise, um, especially in, in the Ohio area. So, okay, uh, well, let's go ahead and read, uh, just some excerpts from the final, uh, letter announcement that the owner, uh, wrote out on his website. So he says, the reason for our closure is pretty simple. We ran out of money. There is no big conspiracy, no secret takeover, no legal troubles or personal issues. We simply don't have enough cash to keep going. It might surprise some people to know that the entire operation ran with three or less people for its entire existence. It might also surprise some people to know that I have never personally made a dime from it. I never even drew a salary. I was determined that we would succeed doing things, quote, the right way by putting the product above all else and growing business honestly and organically in our own, on our own, by our rules, and without outside influences. I never had much access to capital. I never ran in the circles that put me in the same room as a bunch of rich guys who I could go where I could get fund me, fund my dream. I had to build it myself, physically and figuratively. figuratively. And truth be told, I wouldn't have wanted to do it any other way. 
Instead of our volume growing as expected, it stagnated and in some areas actually decreased. We simply did not have the means to keep up with the ever-increasing costs of trying to stand out in a crowd when compared to the next shiny new thing coming down the pike. Put all this together and an already tight situation becomes untenable. Everything we brewed was for the love of craft above all else. Maybe it wasn't to the extent that I had hoped, but I'd like to believe that we helped educate and evolve the palate of beer drinkers in this town, at least a little bit. In the end, there just wasn't enough people who liked our beer or agreed with our philosophy to make us a viable company, and that's okay. We gave it our best shot, and it just didn't work out. There are more craft beer choices ever in Cincinnati, and in many, many ways, that is a good thing. Just remember, supporting the ones you like means more than just saying, I went there once and really liked their beers. So, John, this, uh, I mean, this is, I mean, in a way, this could be you. Not that it's going to be you, but I'm saying that you have the same type of values. You want to put the product first. You believe if you make the best beer, the best quality beer possible, that that's enough, that you'll succeed. Now, I know you, you, you probably, you know, you know there's more to it than just that, but in, in the bottom line, that's what you want to do. You want to make great beer, quality, that people are going to drink. So, um, the one thing that kind of stuck out in my head is that uh, in the article they mentioned that um, if you love a beer, buy the beer. Don't just say you love it. If you love a brewery, stop there for a pint, a growler, or a six-pack before you go and stand in line for the next new hot thing. Support your favorite brewery because you never know when it will be too late. And I live by this myself. I, mean, I love trying new things. I always look for new beers, but you know what? I continue to visit all the breweries in my local area that I love, like Mad Swede and Edge Brewing, Sockeye, uh, you know, all the breweries that I enjoy. I go there, I buy their pints and payette. Also, I don't want to forget payette. Um, and Boise Brewing. I go there to enjoy their beer because I want to support them. And if I don't go and support them, then guess what? They may end up just like Blank Slate, have to close down because they don't have enough business because they're always looking, for, you know, people are looking for the next uh, new best thing. So, what are your thoughts and, and comments on this? Uh, so, I mean, at the face of it, you know, I mean, they, they flat out say they ran out of money, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, how long they've been limping along. Um, I, I don't know the backstory, uh, but, you know, especially in breweries, which is a capital intensive business, um, but just like all kinds of businesses, uh, your funding, you know, is the quickest way to shut. If, if you don't have money to, you know, to keep the lights on and, yeah. and buy, you know, produce your product or, or whatever, you, you, you know, you can't, can't do anything um but uh you know it, it it's obviously it's unfortunate that that it it went down this way um 
in my you know reading about this because uh, it's been all over um, my social media stuff uh, for Ohio and and everything like that. And uh, they they weren't a big brewery in terms of volume. Mm-hmm. They they're one of the oldest craft breweries in Seattle or in Cincinnati, excuse me, like I mentioned. But I think in 2015, they still only produced like 160 barrels or 860 barrels. Oh, wow. That's really um, small. <laughs> and uh, they had, I think in 2016, had gone uh, through an expansion to add canning and like triple the size of their brew house or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if, you know, they thought that things were going to grow. And, he, you know, he did mention that uh, and their volume didn't grow as ex- as expected. It stagnated, you know, and in some areas decreased. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with this brewery to know uh, <clears throat> how much of their focus was the tap room or how much of they're out into the market. Yeah. Um. And I can tell you there are two craft breweries in Cincinnati that are very rapidly uh, in Rheingeist and Matry mm-hmm. that are going to dominate the shelves. Yeah. And if you're if you're going to try to compete like that on on a volume that's you know less than a fortieth of what they have going on, um, you're going to have a bad time. Um, it, when you're going to to market in packaged beer, it is absolutely a volume game. Mm-hmm. Um, your costs just plummet as you. It takes not much different from a labor perspective to produce, you know, a hundred barrels versus ten. So, um, and and labor is very expensive. So, uh, you know the. I, I'm not, I, like I say, I'm not familiar with this, but um, from their size and from what it sounds like they might have been trying to do, um, it seems like they thought something might work and it didn't. And, you know, maybe th- they didn't get enough support from the local community. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not familiar. Um, but, uh, you know, I will say, you know, he makes the comment of uh, never ran in the circles, you yeah. know, with the same room as a bunch of rich guys so I could get to fund my dream. Um, there's not a lot of brewers that I know that run in those circles yeah. uh, that opened up their own places or, or found, you know, money to do it. Um, and during the time that they were coming up, I mean, there were a lot of banks trying to get in the game. Um, and there are a lot of folks to talk to. Um, that you maybe could could do something, or maybe it all it would have done was extended the inevitable closing. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, of course, now everybody's saying that uh, they were extremely underrated, and the beer was beer was great. I I never got to experience it. I I've never had it, so um, they they just didn't distribute where I was or I yeah. was never in a position to, to have it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, I mean, like, like they said, I mean, it, it may be great beer, but unless people are coming and drinking it, then it doesn't matter. Right. If you're not selling beer, you're not selling beer. And, uh, it's just sad. Yeah. So all I gotta do, all I gotta say is, uh, to everyone out there, 
if there's local breweries that you do enjoy, uh, go out and visit them once in a while. Don't just ha go there once and, and try their new stuff. You know, like I said, I go to Mad Swede a lot and uh, just want to see them succeed and, and drink their beer. Uh, you guys need to also support those uh, smaller breweries for sure. All right, John. Hey, I think we kind of uh, we had a lot of show this episode, but now it is time to uh, bring it to a close. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a moment to raise a glass to some people we want to raise a glass to. All right. Well, I'll raise my glass to Wes. Uh, thanks, buddy, for taking a, a bit of a long way home to swing through uh, the area <laughs> and, and say hey uh, on your trip. Uh, so it was great seeing you and enjoyed sharing some beers. Um, and then uh, I also want to thank a couple of folks, you know, because you had mentioned putting up your picture and uh, Chris had also sent us a picture of him in his, in his gear. Um, but uh, on Facebook, uh, our buddy, our buddy Vic Joe uh, had posted himself in it, in his shirt and uh, as well as Jason Lacey mm -hmm. uh, posted up in their Trek shirt Uh on Facebook and reaching out to us, which we, we love to see. Um, and, uh, so yeah, if you got your stuff and, uh, take a pic, you yeah. see it. I love it. Yeah. So. yeah tag Trek brewing. <laughs> exactly. So how about you? Who are you going to raise your glass to? Okay. I have a couple people I want to raise a glass to. We had a special, special events this last uh, couple weeks. And the uh, first one I raise my glass to is our a local guy here, Tom Byrne. We've gotten together and had beers before. Great guy. Loves seeing his stuff on on uh, on Untapped, and he, he follows us and uh, interacts on Facebook also. He just, his wife, I won't say he, he and his wife just gave birth to their daughter. And I just want to raise my glass to you, Tom. Congratulations on the birth of your daughter. Uh, beautiful. She looks beautiful, and she has a beautiful name too which i won't share on a podcast keep that uh just between friends but uh just want to raise my glass to you and your family and also i want to raise my glass to william lake uh he just got married so uh, congratulations william on your marriage may you have many long i mean not long but many happy years i don't want i don't want to make it sound like long drawn out years but many happy years together uh, with your wife and your your new bride um, and also, of course, I want to thank all the military men and women out there who are protecting our freedoms and allowing John and I to uh, talk to you guys uh, about beer. And uh, thank you for your service and come home safely to your families soon. And I also want to raise a glass to Hopcloth Apparel for partnering up with us. And I encourage all of our listeners to go visit their site at www.hopcloth.com. Check out their creative craft beer clothing and also their glassware. And of course, guess what? You can save some money on shipping. Yes, you can. If you enter the code tap the craft, one word, tap the craft into the promo code section at checkout, you will get free shipping on your merchandise. So go out there, buy some great shirts, some glassware, whatever you like, and use tap the craft to get free shipping. And, of course, you can find the beers and the links to the articles that we mentioned on the show in the show notes posted on the show post at openforumradio.com. And remember, I will also have a link to that 
Master Brewers Association podcast for uh, talking about uh, talking with uh, Carrie Caldwell on her accident. I recommend everyone uh, go ahead and listen to that. It's very uh, enlightening, and I really enjoyed hearing her story. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be follow, found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you? Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime WA. Uh, but who cares about that? Follow the brewery, <laughs> Trek Brewing, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing. Or check out the website, trekbeer.com. Excellent. All right, let's do that. All right, John, it is last call. It is time to bring our show to a close. We want to thank all of you fantastic listeners for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend. And, of course, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, Podbean, or however you listen to your podcast because I know you don't want to miss an episode. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.